Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. We have Dr. Fiona Jenkins, who teaches and researches in the School of Philosophy at the Australian National University, here to speak to us about her extensive study into women and philosophy and what needs to change. Welcome to the program, Fiona. Thank you. Your research into women and philosophy is not isolated. There have been many other articles and studies such as, I think, therefore I'm a man. Has this situation only been a recent concern or has it been a long-term problem? Oh, I think people have been aware of a, of a problem about philosophy and the way in which philosophers have thought about women for a very long time. You know, I think some of the really important early feminist work in philosophy, Simone de Beauvoir's Second Sex, for example, really deals with this very closely. And, and I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people who are concerned about the status of women in, in philosophy today do invoke that long tradition of, of, of feminist and concerns about the nature of philosophy itself. How do the number of women studying philosophy compare with men? Well, I mean, what's interesting about philosophy in some ways is that at the undergraduate level, we in Australia start off with more than 50% women in our first year courses, and that number, that percentage declines uh, year by year as you go on. So by the time it gets to honours, the lower number of women studying. By the time you get into PhDs, it's down to about 35% women studying. And then once you get into the job market, it, it goes down again. So the, in an in a interesting sense, it's, it's quite different from science, where in the hard sciences, they have a problem getting women into the first year courses. But the women who get in there actually do tend to stay perhaps a bit longer than the women in philosophy. So what are the career prospects for these women compared to their male counterparts? Well, I suppose the, the most striking figures are at the professorial level. So we still only have, well, less than 15% female professors in philosophy in Australia. And it's not just Australia. That's a pretty international picture. So in the work that I did, we looked at all the Anglophone, the major Anglophone countries and found a very similar pattern, again, of, of the sort of drop-off at all career stages. So you'd have to say that in the present picture that women's chances of succeeding in the discipline are a lot less than those of men. Why, why does philosophy continue to be an inhospitable career choice and study choice for women? Well, in many ways it's very puzzling and I think a lot of you know people have very different sets of answers to that question. I mean, if you thought about 
philosophy as one of the humanities, your puzzle would be, well, why isn't it more like the study of literature, say, where women are very well represented? If you thought about it, even amongst the social sciences, there are some social sciences like sociology where women are very well represented. So why is philosophy, you know, strangely got a, a profile, a gender profile that's much more like the hard sciences? I mean, to me, that partly reflects how philosophy itself has been shaped as a discipline in recent times. So I would argue, and this is you know, part of the ideas I've written about, is that uh, institutional philosophy has really shaped itself in some ways to represent a more masculine discipline than what it would represent if it was more in line with other humanity subjects. So the, the tendency to value hard logic and certain dimensions of the subject that stress rationality are emphasised, I think, in, in the current institutional framework, partly as a way of proving philosophy's value, because I think in the wider culture, scientific disciplines have a higher status and a higher value than the soft humanities. And I think that's really reflected in the way in which the discipline has developed over the last 30 years or so. Right. So given that your research shows that women are just expected to change in order to fit into existing institutions, what what are some of the ways that philosophy needs to change to accommodate and benefit from the important contribution women's full participation makes to philosophy? Look again. I think there's lots of lots of levels at which you can answer that question. And I mean, one of the ways in which a lot of people discuss this is, is starting at the classroom level. I mean, how do we make environments, seminars, conferences, places where discussion is is more itself more welcoming of diverse viewpoints? And I think one of the things that people notice about philosophy as, as a discipline is that it can be very aggressively argumentative. People who come in from other areas kind of you know, quake when they're in the philosophy <laughs> seminar because of the, the level of people's viewpoints being uh, sort of slammed down. And I think that's an obvious place that you can, you can begin to make change. But I think more broadly, we do need to have a, a discussion at the level of the, you know, the discipline's leaders about how we value different kinds of, of contribution, how we hear different kinds of voices. Many people think that professional philosophy tends to get very narrowed into sort of fighting over particular questions that have high-status men putting high-status views at their core. And, and until we challenge some of those models of the, of the discipline and make it more pluralistic, more able to hear a range of voices, I think we're going to continue to have these problems. Yeah, certainly. Look, there are several concepts that have been connected with the underrepresentation of women, such as unconscious bias and stereotype threat. Could you just explain a, a bit about these concepts? Well, these are concepts that come from psychology, and a lot of people have been using them not just in philosophy, but in the wider gender equity literature to describe the kinds of problem that we're up against. And I think particularly the notion of unconscious bias comes up in a context where everyone's, in a way, is still a bit surprised about how far gender inequality continues to spread. So most people nowadays wouldn't say overtly that they think women are not men's equals. And yet, if you do the kind of psychological research that some people have done to see what happens when you 
give an identical CV with a man's name and a woman's name to people to evaluate, you consistently find that the man's CV is evaluated more highly. And that's an example of unconscious bias, and it will translate into the man being offered a better job, more salary. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways in which that, that feeds through. So, so unconscious biases are clearly out there. And stereotypes right, refers, again, it's a concept from psychology, and it refers to the, the way in which we experience social situations in which we anticipate that people will expect us to do poorly. And the psychological research shows that if you cue people to associate themselves, for example, with being a woman when they're about to do a math test, they will actually do more poorly than if you didn't put those those kind of reminders of their identity and the expectations of their identity in place. So both these are quite powerful concepts to introduce into uh, understanding the kind of problems there are in, in philosophy, where women are stereotyped as being emotional, less rational, a lot of the kind of key values of philosophy, women fare poorly in terms of the stereotyping that goes around. Right, and finally, you've compiled your research into a book. Would you like to give some details about this book for people who are interested in knowing a bit more about this subject? Yeah, well, it came out with Oxford University Press late last year, and it's a book that I've co-edited with Katrina Hutchison. And it has really some of the these kind of leading ideas that are around at the moment represented by a number of, of philosophers who are really trying to think hard about how we analyse the problems that women continue to face in philosophy, but also how we can go about trying to fix them. And I think each of the essays contains some recommendations at the end about, you know, what you might do following from the analysis of the problem. Sounds like very interesting reading. So uh, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You are listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR, 8.55 a.m. I am Professor Jane Caputi. I teach at Florida Atlantic University in the United States, and I teach in a program for women, gender, and sexuality studies. 